0: We're working our way through this book called Reinventing the Body, Resurrecting the Soul by (laughs) Jeeprat Chopra. And today is the halfway point. We're halfway done and so we're going to switch over from talking about how we can have an impact on our physical bodies through our intentions and through our thoughts. And now we're going to do it, what did it call it? The resurrecting the soul part? My guess is most of you have an idea of how we have an impact on our body. But I wonder do we even have a sort of a group decision on what a soul is? You know, 95 this is a Gallup poll recently. 95% of the people in America say absolutely we have a soul. But I wonder if we have any agreement on what it is. Do you know what I mean? Because I've heard it talked about in a variety of different ways. I've heard it talked about as that part which when the body drops away at our physical death is what you know maybe soars or evolves into um, you know, an afterlife. I've heard it talked about in terms of reincarnation as that part of us that never dies, that when the body sort of recycles, if you will, it is that part you know cleaned up of memories and things like that, that is eternal, that moves from one life to the next. I've even heard it talked about in terms of energy, that energy with which um, life is created and, and is never destroyed. That it only just takes a different form. So perhaps on our on our death, the energy would take the form of. Uh, the animals and plants yet to be born around us. Or, or maybe some kind of an upward spiral of evolution. That, that what's next isn't a human body, but something even grander. Something that we can't even imagine. I've heard all of these things talked about in terms of the soul. And you know what? I suspect if I brought the microphone around, we'd get, what, about 87 more <laughs> ideas of what the soul is like? And that's okay for today's discussion i am going to talk about the soul in a little bit of a specific way and so uh, so bear with me here uh, for today i'm going to talk about the soul as our higher wisdom self if you will that part of us that's always plugged into god you know we talk about each one of us as being a spark of the divine that sort of namaste spirit knowing that the divine and me is also the divine and each one of you that idea of the part of us that's always connected with God. And so I've heard it called the higher wisdom self or my spiritual self or my higher self. Um, So that's what we're going to be referring to today uniquely because of the aspect of our connection or sometimes lack thereof to it. And in the book, Deepak Chopra says that whether we're having an easy life or not, Literally, whether our life is full of ease or grace is dependent almost entirely on whether we have a good connection to that higher wisdom self. Really, to that divine part in us. And he says, and I believe it's true, that when we become disconnected from it, when we lose sight of our own divinity, when we get so caught up in just the worldly affairs that there is no thought to the spiritual, I think that is where a lot of our trouble starts. I think that is, uh, you know, losing sight, if you will, of our divinity is what allows us to lose sight also of the ease and grace that's all around us. Here's how he puts it in this um, in this book. He says, once you accept that you are supposed to struggle in order to survive, that presumption becomes your reality. It gathers its own energy and momentum. Your brain... Learns to conform to the idea of the world as truth. Your brain is conditioned, the look, the feel, and the sound of the world have been fixed and as hazardous. Now think about that for a minute. I'm sure you've all met people that absolutely would tell you how tough the world is. It's tough to get a job. It's tough to remain healthy. It's really hard to uh, keep a job down. It's hard to raise children. It's really tough to make ends meet in this economy. It's, do you know what I mean? Don't we all know people, probably people a lot like you in terms of literally what you have in terms of resources to you. And yet you're probably living a a pretty even keel, relatively easy life. Someone else may be the same situation and their picture of the world is life is tough. The universe is against me. I'm trying my best, but it's taking a toll on me. Perception certainly but Deepak Chopra would say, it's literally our connection to that higher power, it's that connection to our higher wisdom self that's at work here. And he says when we lose sight of this connection, when we forget that we're divine, when we get uh, worked up totally in the affairs of the world and you know watching what horrible things going on on the other side of the planet or whatever it may be, he actually has a list of things that happen. And I have you ever like in Cosmopolitan Magazine or one of those magazines where they have you take a poll of like the warning signs in your life? I mean, I saw one not too I was at the doctor's office with a friend, and while well, she was getting cataract surgery, I'm like leafing through some health thing. And it was like the 12 warning signs of cancer. You know, if you check off all of these things, oh watch out. Well, here's one that Deepak Chopra has for seeing if you're out of tune with your own higher wisdom self, with your own divinity. He says, if you're tuned out, things are not going smoothly for you. You're confused and uncertain. Answers are not clear. It's hard to make a decision. You go back and forth. Everything is mixed up. You feel out of sync with the situation. There are so many obstacles. There's conflict inside you. It's hard to see a way out or a way through. It's easy to blame yourself and others for every little thing that goes wrong. And finally, he says, the world is simply a hazardous place to exist. Now he says this is true when we get out of sync with when we begin ignoring our inner wisdom selves, that part of us that is divine. I wanna I wanna change gears here for a sec. Literally, let's change channel. Because I know one of the things about this day. Ten years ago, what happened? Yeah, this is the, uh, the ten-year anniversary of 9-11. And a lot of churches today are honoring it in various ways. I, I know one across town has teamed up a Christian church and a mosque together to do a, a, a group worship ceremony, which I think is lovely. I know some other churches are doing a, a more typical memorial kind of service. But I think there is a tragedy, if you will, that there was a kind of terrorism, if you will, well beyond bringing down the twin terrors, well, well beyond what happened to the, the Pentagon building. I think that the idea of terrorism, born in a very graphic and demonstrable way ten years ago, has entered really into the fabric of our existence in the last ten years. And I wonder I'd like to read this list again in terms of us thinking about the American people really, us as a nation. Things aren't going so smoothly. There's confusion and uncertainty. The answers aren't clear anymore. We go back and we go forth. Everything's mixed up. We feel out of sync with our situations and our lives. There are so many obstacles to achieving what we want. We're conflicted, inside and outside. We find it hard to see a way out or a way through. We blame ourselves and others for the conditions we're in. We feel incomplete and that the world is no longer safe. Doesn't that kind of define us as a nation? You know, the 20th century was that time when we thought of America as uh, anything was possible, the American dream, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the the kind of can-do country that can accomplish anything, put people on the moon. With the beginning of the 21st century, and I think in particular after 9-11-2001, it's as though we were brought down a few notches. It was as though we were here to examine our own mortality. I think that is one of the frightening things of that happening 10 years ago is that it has stuck with us uh, we enacted legislation because we were sure that there would be terrorists in our own backyards and we need to eavesdrop on them without even a search warrant or, or a warrant from a judge, right? We uh, started posting in airports terrorism alerts, you know, is it red today or just orange? You know, we, in a national way, really codified fear. I remember uh, uh, six years ago, that I, and I can't remember what the response to it was, but a newspaper article came out four years after the terrorist attack of 9-11, listing the 20 most likely places where a terrorist would hit next. And this was like in a national newspaper, you know, watch out for the Golden Gate Bridge. Watch out for the Columbia River Gorge Dam. Do you know what I mean? I think that the major disservice in 9 11 goes well beyond the actual acts of terrorism and violence itself because it has become kind of a part of us. In the same way that Deepak Chopra has said that as individuals we come disconnected to our souls, I wonder if we as a people, slightly, have also become disconnected with the truth of who we are as humanity as a nation and so when I move a little forward in this book and begin to talk about how we connect how we find a closer relationship how we tie into the power of our higher wisdom selves I also want you to think of this in terms of a nation Because we collectively, of course, make up the United States, right? It isn't just the leaders that we elect to take care of things in Washington or or down in Salem on a local level, right? It is us. We are America. So here's what Deepak Chopra says happens if you're connected to your higher wisdom self, if if your own inner divinity is more in sync with how you're running your life and your own awareness of things. He says, things will be going easily for you. There's a calm certainty when you make decisions. The answers are clear. Everything fits together. There's a harmony with your situations and with your friends and your families. There are no obstacles. Opposites are reconciled. You're open to possibilities. You don't pass judgment on yourself or others. And there is a wholeness and a freedom of knowing that the world is safe and on your side. How do we make this shift? I think a part of us intuitively recognizes that this is true. That when we're thinking from that position of, truth in ourselves in terms of a being of light, a, a being that always has access to whatever it needs, a being that has access to the love and the life and the joy and the peace that is an infinite a variety out in, a, in the universe, I think a part of us intuitively knows that yes, when I can hold that, when I get my arms around it, when I understand that that's me, that life does get easy, does get smooth. Have you ever had a job or, or maybe even just a weekend where you were sort of in the zone? And it's like everything you did just seemed blessed. It's like no matter what project, no matter what phone call you made, the person on the other end was eager to please and everything just laid out for you. Well, we might think of it as being in the zone, but that's really just when you're connected to God. It's really that inner connection to your own indwelling power. So how do we get there? Chopra recommends a simple simple reorganization of the way we make decisions. So let's try this on for size. And this also, um, for those of you who like taking home a bit of homework, this would be your homework for the week too. He simply says... When we're making decisions, when we're asking ourselves questions, when we're trying to solve a problem, we, instead of saying, what would I do, we say, what would my higher wisdom self do? What would my God self do? What would that part of me do that is absolutely connected to God and every other living thing on the planet? And so the questions, you know, can be phrased a little differently, how you approach them. You might say, what would my God self do in this situation? You might say, how would God view this situation? Sometimes I hear people say, oh my, you know, you have no idea what a well, blankety blank day I had. This happened, and then this happened, and this happened, and it was horrible. And through the reliving of it, it even gets more horrible. But what would God's view of this be? A bad day to you is nothing to God. Do you know what I mean? I mean, certainly, uh, the experience should not be invalidated. Whatever happened needs to be resolved. And yet, there's eternity on your side. There's the love of the, the ancients on your side. There is the perfection in you that always knows the way out and a way through. So you might say, what would God's view of this situation be? You might say, what would the soul of the planet do? Or how would Mother Earth respond? I know a lot of times when we're, we're working in the world, we have decisions that go beyond just us. Do you know what I mean? It affects our family, affects our neighborhoods, it affects the planet. You might try before you make a decision saying, how would the soul of the planet respond to this situation? What's the best for everyone? And finally, and this one I think is a, is a unique perspective of, of what we teach in the science of mind, you would simply say, what is the best and the highest for all concerned? And what I like about that one is, it invites the decision to be more than just yours how often do we see ourselves in the role of problem solvers? And by that, I mean the person that comes with all the answers and I'll fix myself and you and the whole neighborhood. Because, of course, I figured it out in my own head. This is what we should do. And you better not stand in my way while I'm solving your problems, too. (laughs) (laughs) And if we look at it just a little differently, if we say, what would be the best and the highest for all of us, it invites the conversation, doesn't it? Suddenly it's the the situation that all of us get to work on. It's no longer, you know, let us go take care of this problem across the globe. It's no longer, let me tell the children what's best for them. I mean, sometimes safety issues, of course do come into things. But that's one of the reasons the teenage years are so hard is because we're still used to telling the teenagers exactly how they need to live their lives. And you know something? There has to become a time when teenagers learn how to have their own lives and do what they want to do. That's why the teenagers are so troubled. We talk about the troubled teens, but is it the teens that are troubled or is it the parents? Do you know what I mean? So when we come to the, the problem, the situation, the issue, with the idea of what is the best and the highest for everyone, we have that namaste spirit. That, that divinity in me is calling to the divinity in you, and we'll figure it out. So I'd like to close today with a quote and a bumper sticker. And we'll, we'll do the bumper sticker first. Um, A couple people looked dismayed when I did this during the first service, so feel free, be dismayed if you like. (laughs) The bumper sticker was one that I saw the other day that I think really is very simply calls us to examine our motives and our higher wisdom self. And the bumper sticker was simply, Who would Jesus bomb? I'd like you just to think about that from the, the Namaste spirit. And now I'll close with a a quote from Ernest Holmes. This is from Thoughts Are Things, a book published in 1967. He said, To have your heart without fear is to have implicit confidence in the good, the endearing, and the true. It is not the host encamped against you, nor the confusion around you that you need to fear. It is the lack of confidence in your own perception of good. The power of spirit is supreme over everything. Therefore, cherish no fear. And when neither fear nor hate is present, you come to understand the complete (coughs) unity of life. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. That thing which I call God is in every person, every place, every situation, every idea. It's all God. And I know in this place of unity, it is ever so easy for me to connect into that higher wisdom self, for me to understand the divinity that's in my life, for me to recognize and see the divinity in others. And as this is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room, that there is that part of each person here that is never truly troubled or victimized by the circumstances around them, that there is that part of us that is immune to terrorism As both individuals and a nation, I know that in this very room are people poised in their own idea of that soul, their own idea of connection to God, their own idea of a higher wisdom self, of an inner spiritual being. And I simply affirm and know on this day that that connection is stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm simply grateful to be here in the presence of God as it takes the form of all of these people. Glad to be on this earth as a witness to the presence of God in all peoples everywhere. And so in great gratitude I let it be, and so it is. So thank you for being here today. Thank you.